Now, are you going to take notes? No. You got to take notes. We can't record it. We did it the last time without me taking notes. Boo. What? Mine like a steel trap. I can retain information for <laughs> 11 hours. When's our wedding anniversary? January 13th. Oh, okay. I was, <laughs> trying, I was trying to test you. What's my favorite flower? Oh shit, I have that one written down. Oh, mine like a steel trap, eh? Gotcha. Figured out how to work the record button. Yeah, do you want to be doing this? You're the one that did audio in school. Yeah, but I'm the one that's now suffering through things for your fun and enjoyment. You should learn a new skill out of this. <laughs> well, you need something during furlough to keep you busy. Learning to code. Woohoo. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Adam Hates Everything. Today, especially. <laughs> and we are here to watch Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Before the last two books, it was my favorite. So I guess it's in the top. Well, it's been a long time since I've read six and seven, so I'll still say it's one of my favorite books, or like the favorite, but I, I don't know. Mm. However, I don't think you're going to like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've been warning me about that for <laughs> pretty much since the ending credits of the last I know. <laughs> I've been processing a lot, and I think that you're really not going to like, if you have any chance of liking this series... I don't think it's going to happen until book six. Is that when a 1800s coal deal pops up? <laughs> That's a reference to... What, what was that called? Oh, Gentleman, Gentleman Jack. Jack. Yeah. All about hot lesbian love. And Adam, as a straight man, could not care less about that. He wanted to know more about the cold deal yeah gentleman jack was doing well, they keep setting it up and it was really interesting i enjoyed like her thoughts on like how she was pricing and everything and then they just dropped it yeah because i think more people care about lesbian lavas mm. not this man made of wood <laughs> <laughs> you're a cylon i'm gonna find out you're a cylon <laughs> or a droid <laughs> or a fembot <laughs> possible <laughs> Uh, anyway. No, but I mean, we work in an industry that that's not really out of the norm. Like, it's just normal, you know? Lesbianism? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're people, and that's fine. It's not every day you get to learn about coal deal structure <laughs> in the 1800s. Well, it's also cool to see, like, an, an out lesbian in the, what, wasn't it the 1800s? Yeah, but... And you cared more about her coal deal. I mean, it's cool that she did coal deals. Yeah. But, I mean, that's part of her, like, badassery right there was the fact that she was wheeling and dealing. Like, within the first three episodes, like, her situation was just kind of accepted and moved on. And yeah. It didn't factor into anything. Isn't that great? Why is it such a problem now? Yeah, but why did they drop the coal deal? <laughs> If we kept watching, maybe they would have brought it back up. Anyway, is this a podcast about Gentleman Jack, or is it a podcast about Harry Potter? Because I think it's a podcast about Harry Potter. I'm trying so hard to make it about fucking anything else. <laughs> okay. So, I have some facts. Fun right. facts. 
Just facts. There are some for before and there are some for after. So I think there are some things that would be fun for you to hear before you watch the movie. So we got to do this twice. Adam, we do this. We do a pre and we do a post for every episode. Choice. <laughs> okay. This is directed by director Mike Newell. So goodbye, Alfonso Cuaron. That was the only Harry Potter movie he directed. Mike Newell directed classics like Four Weddings and a Funeral, Prince of Persia. Which oh, one? The one with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> there was another. <laughs> yeah, that was a remake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a, a movie on a classic tale. And Mona Lisa Smile. So you will see a little bit more relationshipy stuff, you know, because Four Weddings, it's a, he's a rom-com guy. Great. Not quite the darkness that Alfonso Cuaron has. Um, execs wanted to do the 700-page book. This was the longest book when it came out. 700 pages in two movies. And Alfonso Cuaron actually is the one that convinced Mike that he could do it in one. So you're fucking welcome, Adam. Yeah, but is it a nine-hour movie? No, no, no. Because remember, the longest one is Chamber of Secrets. It's all downhill from there. But longest by like thirty five seconds. Yeah, like I mean they're all they're all basically incredible. two and a half. Um, and then when Newell was first describing his concept, he wanted to make a Bollywood film. And there isn't any singing and dancing, or you know there aren't any musical numbers, but there is a Yule Ball. There's a Quidditch World Cup. I'm sorry, I forgot there's some Quidditch in here. But it's professionals this time. Yeah. We go to the pros. And he wanted to make it as Bollywood. That's and then a Triwizard Tournament. This is Master's Thesis, a imaginative retelling of Shakespeare. Like, yeah, Shakespeare. <laughs> but you will find it's a, probably the most colorful of all of the films, is all. Oh, well, I feel personally. But here, but I have, so there's, that's the bad news. But the good news is that this is the first movie without the Dursleys in it. I mean, small favors, I guess. <laughs> okay, and then, in do, honor... Do we get away without the whole, you know, at the last minute they get 3,000 points and win the House Cup, even though they've completely fucked everything throughout the entire school year? Uh, that I don't remember. We're getting to the point, so the first three are so clear in my brain, and then... The rest of the books I've only read once or twice, and I've only seen the movies once, so I don't know. So it'll be like watching it all over again. Hooray, will you fall asleep again? Maybe. And then yell at me for being on my phone? Uh-huh. <laughs> they want your take on it, not mine. Uh, I can give the you fans, my all I the fans watch the movie. <laughs> Adam, if you come into it without without any possibility of your mind being changed, then what's the point of even watching the movie? No, but sometimes I feel like John Lovitz in that old animated series, The Critic. Great reference for... I mean, some people will get it. You should go just watch The Critic. It basically ends with everything as a, you know, recap of the movie, and it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um, <laughs> in honor of the last movie where, um, we learned about Patronuses, which helped fight the Dementors. I'm really excited for a minute that this was going to be our last film. Oh, no. Oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, we are going to, this is our last foray into Pottermore. At least I think so. It's our last foray into Pottermore. 
we are going to discover what your Patronus is. I... Now, before we get started, this is something... So when I started college, Harry Potter was in full Harry Potter mania because I think the final book had just come out the year before I had started college and the movies were coming out while I was there. Yeah, the movie, like the last couple movies. So there it was a big Harry Potter-tastic time. And in sophomore year, we actually, we were doing a lot of essence work. So, um, you know, if I were a bowl of ice cream, what would I be? And stuff like that for character. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> some really self-indulgent practices. Yeah, we won't get started on my theories on the modern theater education. Um, you went to theater school too, Ben. I did. <laughs> I did. And this is why I think it's ruining a lot of people. <laughs> anyway, we chose people's Patronuses because the animal of the Patronus actually... Um, kind of depends on your essence, who you are. It can depend on your lineage. Like Harry's Patronus is a stag just like his father's. So um, so we figured out each other's Patronuses and we did it half by a person's essence and half by how they did the actual spell. <laughs> so we would have our friends all do Expecto Patronum and then guess and then decide what theirs was. Um, now my Patronus was an ostrich. Because while they are really fun and quirky, they could also fucking kill you. <laughs> that's a pretty good. Don't you think that's a pretty good? Um... Yeah. Yes. So anyway. Um, what was your bowl of ice cream? Uh, I know it had pop rocks on it. Yeah, we had. You made a sundae, and it had. So our our dear friend uh, and classmate Josie, she. Um, would do, she worked in an ice cream shop and was obsessed with ice cream. And so she did everyone's bowl of ice cream. And I know mine, I think, I know mine had Pop Rocks. Because mm. again, I'm a little spicy. Are Pop Rocks spicy? No, but the, you know, they cause a little pain while you eat them. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm nice enough because this is an audible, audio oral medium that uh, I'm not going to make you do the spell. I'm just, we're just going to take this quiz. Is that fair? Yeah. And then we can argue whether it matches your essence or not. Which, if you could be like a troll made of stone, if that could be your Patronus, that's what I would choose. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, this is better with headphones? What the hell? Oh, God. I already hate it. I already hate it. Oh, do you want to see it? No. Yeah, you do. The Patronus is a kind of positive force, a projection of the very things that the Dementor feeds upon. Hope, happiness, the desire to survive. Or poorly medicated despair in the case of Harry. Yeah. Okay. This is why it's better than their headphones, just because they had like a flash animation. I'm going to turn off the sound because, Thank you know, sound quality. You can only discover your Patronus once the questions are timed. Go with your instincts. Ready? Relax. Think of your happiest memory. Ooh. We're just going through a forest. Glitter, shine, or glow? Glow? Adam already hates this. (laughs) I'm so pissed off right now. (laughs) It's word association. I'm raging. And this 
like Ebon's world. Make or improve? Uh, improve. <laughs> like you wish you could do to this site? Yes. <laughs> We're going through the forest. We zoom through the forest. For anyone who hasn't done this Pottermore exercise. I think I saw Homestar Runner down there. Earth, wood, or stone? Stone. Stone troll? Immovable and unfeeling. <laughs> oh, How is that it? I saw something. You nearly produced a Patronus. You're close. Oh, yay. Don't look like swamp gas. Why or who? I think who. Yeah, who. I thought for sure you'd say why. Why do I have to do this? This is astonishing. You've almost done it. Yay. Comfort, advise, or impress? Advise. I could have guessed these answers. You probably could have. But that's why we're together. Oh, we're in the lake. Remember, that's the lake where Harry saved Sirius Black. Looks just like it. Click and drag. Click, drag, and release for your Patronus. Your Patronus is a... A vole. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. It's a type of vermin, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little rodent. It's, I think, like the Russian landmass version of a rat. Great. That's fitting for your attitude towards Harry Potter. And I would get it that your positivity Patronus was a small little weakling and not a big badass ostrich like me. Was yours produced by a... Uh... No, I can't remember what I got last time. Such a authoritative source as Pottermore. It is created by J.K. Rowling, the author. Yours was picked for you by someone in your acting class after making being a Sunday and screaming <laughs> nonsense words. <laughs> Expecto Patronum. Or was the deep, you know, soul-searching questions. We did. I mean, we knew each other really well by that point. You know, we all had our orgy already. Yeah, Pop Rocks on our ice cream sundae. I can't remember what else is in it. Terrorist. Oh, what? <laughs> I'm a terrorist? Pop Rocks on an ice cream sundae? That sounds delicious. It sounds terrifying. Mm. I found our next activity for the next movie. What? Putting Pop Rocks on ice cream. Why would we do that? That's Just awful. to prove a point. Sounds amazing. Terrible idea. It's adding texture and mouthfeel. It's, but it's the wrong kind of mouthfeel. Like, weren't those banned by the FDA? No. Are you going to get them anymore? <laughs> yes. You're so picky about mouthfeel. I, yes, it's important. All right, my love. I know you're stalling. But the sooner, sooner we start this movie, the sooner it's over. I may open the bank. Please don't. I love you. I love you too, but there will be more, you know, cry for attention, Dane. <laughs> All right, babe. You survived. Barely. Cedric Diggory didn't survive, though. No, but he'll go on to be a vampire in another movie. He's fine. <laughs> I was so confused when you referred to him as the vampire in the movie, because I thought they were introducing vampires. No, no, it's just definitely a pop culture reference. Mm. 
Yeah, for anyone who forgets, Robert Pattison is Cedric Diggory. Who I also found to have been the ultimate Star Trek red shirt in this. Because this person who's had no screen time up until this moment, never seen, all of a sudden gets all the reaction shots, they make a big deal about him, and I'm like, he's gonna die. He's gonna die. (laughs) You have to explain, yeah. The red shirt. Yeah, for... Those of you that haven't seen Star Trek, there are red shirts and there are green shirts. Corecast is all in green shirts. <laughs> and everybody who comes through, no matter how big you know, of a deal they're made to be in the episode, if they're wearing a red shirt, odds are good they're going to die. Bless you, Puck. And that's our dog losing his mind. <laughs> okay, so um, did you enjoy any of this movie? Was there any point in rewatching it for the first third until we got to the Yule Ball? I was like, oh, actually, this movie is really good and it's cooking with gas. But the Yule Ball is where it lost me for sure. Well, it was a wholly unnecessary scene. The ball? I, yeah. Again, I really think we could get the story across in like 45 minute episodes. This could have been a miniseries. <laughs> You forget, though, because you are um, made of stone and you're in your 30s, that as a teenager, you know, it's also showing the teenage experience. These are young adult novels, so they are going to have elements of normal teenage life, like having to ask a girl to a dance uh, and stuff like that. So it is included in the book. Apparently, it's not compelling to you because you just skated through your teenage years and don't feel any sort of... uh, you don't feel like you have anything in common with these characters in that regard. No, I made it through. I have no reason to relive them. <laughs> I'm not one of those glory days of <laughs> 17-year-old in high school making the winning pass. <laughs> well, the good news is you didn't peak in high school, so that's good. Oh, there is that, yeah. I'm happy with that. Um, okay. Also, one big thing I have, why did they keep giving that minister airtime when he looked like Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it was just a look. You know, that was just a mustache of trend of that time period. uh, Yeah. Yeah. What time period is this? I don't know. Well, you know, I don't know. A lot of stuff looks old timey. Like it's because it's where history comes from. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Stuff there is over 50 years old. But, I don't know. Like, between that and, like, the opening sequence with the clan hoods and everything, I'm like, oh, this took a dark turn. Yes, sweetie, it is taking a dark dark turn. The Death Eaters are here. Voldemort is back. Now, let's talk about, for me, as soon as Rafe birthed himself from the cauldron. Which I think we found how... The Fine Clan. Yeah, is... <laughs> that's also how Joseph was born. Yes. Um, I think that uh, Rafe is so good at Vol- as Voldemort. I can see now, I'm like, ooh, these movies are going to be good. Because he's a really good villain, I think. Do they suddenly feature much more Voldemort than everyone else? Uh, yeah. Well, there will be more Voldemort around, yeah. But does he outweigh the rest of them in screen time? Harry Potter will still win out. Ugh. But don't you think Daniel's getting better? 
He is getting better. He is getting better. I have nothing against Daniel Radcliffe. I just think that Harry Potter as a character is very <laughs> well, blah. <laughs> the best was Mad Eye Moody being like, "What are your strengths?" And he goes, "I don't know." <laughs> it's like neither do we, Harry. Because he doesn't work at anything. He just <laughs> yeah. sits back and lets the world happen to him. Well, and even he's one of the most infuriating characters I think I've come across. He couldn't even. He couldn't have even gotten through the tournament. He got help from everyone. And then it turns out that David Tennant, playing Crouch's son, mm-hmm. uh, who is disguised as Mad Eye Moody, was um, cheating. Yeah, was cheating and helping him so that he could get to the end of the tournament. But yeah, no, he's. I don't know. I don't think that Harry Potter is really a redeemable character because so far he hasn't worked on anything. He just relies on everyone else and like stumbles through life. In classes, in his life and death situations, yeah, he's he's a drain on society. <laughs> he's not. But the thing I think is like you know how you know some people are born with greatness, some people have greatness thrust upon them, right? He is the second one. He's had greatness thrust upon him, and all he wants is to like be a wizard and have a family and be normal. You hear him say it uh, at some point. He's about to finish his sentence. He's like. I don't want to be a well-known wizard. I want to be normal, or I can't remember what. But, I, but he's still not trying to do any of it. <laughs> he is. It's just all being cut out so to make the movie shorter. <laughs> and yet we have ninety minutes of the whatever Christmas hop or whatever that thing was. The Yule that uh, the Yule Ball and the all the scenes leading up to it. Although Emma Watson is so gorgeous in this movie they're growing up and they're really like filling out into grown-up people and oh she's so pretty i still think that scene was to be like look at all the new mac pros we bought (laughs) (laughs) look at what we can do but it was i see what he means by bollywood like it does have and you know bollywood has an element of like unashamed cheesiness to it and this had that (laughs) it whimsy yeah, but it's the world building is sloppy. Yeah. Because each movie builds a separate world. Yeah, because they're and, being done by different directors. But isn't there like anybody like trying to keep like a hold on this? Yes, J.K. Rowling is I think there and on set for the whole thing. Do they only shoot when she's at the craft services table? Like, what is going on? <laughs> because, like, I mean, you know, the Bollywood thing is fine. Like, I've actually enjoyed a number of Bollywood movies. But it has no place in this world as set up to this point. So suddenly we're in a completely new world with all of this weird presentational nonsense that happens for one scene and then it goes away. Yeah. Like... I just, I I don't understand why. Hmm. Did you like the tournament aspect? I liked it. I don't really know. What did they win to get to the tournament? The regular season was missed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know what? You know what character is coming out of Harry? You know when he was in the lake getting Ron? And... Fleur's sister was still down there and he saved her that is who Harry is Harry does what's right and not what's easy which is what Dumbledore said at the end of the movie 
what was right was him actually like going back to his common room instead of looking for a fucking troll in the bathroom. <laughs> That's you need to let book one go. We're on book four. Yeah, but they could have ended it in book one no. because then that fool in the turban would still be staring at the mirror down in the basement. You need to stop with this rant, Adam. It's a series. It's called a series for a reason. They're going to have more than one book, so you're not thinking like a writer. And in this one, he didn't. He kept his business out of it. He didn't try to enter. He was entered. And then Dumbledore just shrugged his shoulders and was like, well, I guess this inan- inanimate goblet with lots of old magic can't be argued with. Let's have him do it. I mean, <laughs> again, there's got to be some sort of like magic child protective services. Like, <laughs> they have like wizard parliament. Like, <laughs> they got to have some other sort of public service wing. I do love Mad-Eye Moody as a character. I know we didn't have the real Mad-Eye Moody because he was the other In guy. In a box. Yeah. But um, he comes back and he's awesome. And I'm glad that guy from In Bruges is doing it. It's really... That's good. Yeah. So get ready for that. More of Mad-Eye Moody. Again, the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. <laughs> we have a pattern. <laughs> Yes. And again, a another lot of thing that could cut this short. Patterns. Another thing that could, you know, cut this short and probably nip a whole lot in the bud is if they just look, it's like, oh, there's always a problem with the defense against the dark arts teacher and things involving Voldemort. Perhaps, hmm, maybe Snape should teach it. Or maybe we'll just take a year off and see what happens. But you know, Snape used to be a Death Eater. And then was a spy, quote unquote. So, like, do they want Snape to do the Defense Against the Dark Arts? Well, I don't know. Then give it to Maggie Smith or Dumbledore. She does Transfiguration. Because she turns herself into a cat. Can she only teach one course? I mean, It's like a specialty. That's some, like... You don't have a science teacher going to teach uh, a creative writing class. But they haul any asshole off the street to teach defense against the dark arts. <laughs> it's a hard position to fill. They need an adjunct. <laughs> it's an adjunct professor role. That's some like tenure track dot ed shit yeah. right there. Like, oh, I couldn't possibly teach more than one course a semester. All right. I need to do some fun facts for you. Oh, God. The underwater scenes were shot in a huge tank with a blue screen behind it. And then safety divers swam in between takes to give them oxygen. And so they would be underwater for hours and hours. And one time, Daniel Radcliffe accidentally made the signal for he was drowning. And so it put the whole crew into a panic, but he didn't know he was doing it. Very Harry Potter thing to do. Didn't they have some extensive training on that? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, At least one full-scale dragon was constructed on set, which could even blow fire. But you're going to appreciate this. It was created partially from the basilisk in Chamber of Secrets. Mm. You know, reusing pieces. Yeah. How about that? Did it make it into the film? Yeah. Remember the dragons? Mm-hmm. No, but I mean, did they actually use their practical? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Building it and having a dragon in the, in the film is one thing. That reminds me of my friend who worked on um, Person of Interest, and they spent, oh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a motor under a subway train to have it moving like an actual subway train while they were filming. 
And then it was so loud, they ended up not being able to use it. And so it was like $200,000 just down the drain. Just to end up shaking the steady cam yeah. while the shot was going on. <laughs> and that is what it's like. Very, I mean, that is such a true, true image of what it's like to be on set with big, big budget films and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, we'll create this thing and just end up not using it. Well, um, welcome to my world in entertainment production. Know, yeah. Wait, you want me to do what? And now you're not going to use it? <laughs> I know. I knew you'd appreciate that. Uh, also for Vol- Voldemort's look. Um, they removed his nose in post. I would hope. Yeah. (laughs) And then in the book, it says that he has red eye slits. Um, But Rafe argued that you would see more of the menacing um, mental, what is going on with him. I'm I'm not coming up with a word. It's not menacing. His uh, insanity, his madness. Uh, if you actually like saw the expression in his eyes, and so they went with his creepy eyes, and uh, yeah, he just wanted more of his dreamy eyes on screen. That's Rafe wanted some dreamy eyes, and even though he's terrifying, those eyes are still pretty dreamy. It's... They may be dark black holes, but there's some sexy dark black holes. He was created of black magic. <laughs> that that little Voldemort baby is so gross. Huh? I mean, it's it's just. The smaller fetus version of full grown. <laughs> and also, what's crazy is how um, I get that people are followers of Voldemort, but that they're like, he's, you know, he's uh, Mad Eye Moody or Crouch Jr. Uh, he touches Harry Potter's blood and he's like, this blood runs through his veins and like is licking it and sniffing it. I'm like, did any of Hitler's followers do that? Because I don't think they did. It's a bit extreme, but I guess it's a cult, right? He ran a cult. More or less. A Death Eater cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet some of Trump's aides do that. I might have to cut that joke. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to make it political. <laughs> Edit point. <laughs> Edit point. No, they just do lines of self-tanner and tribute. <laughs> and eat McDonald's. Um, Hamburgers. <laughs> Uh, Dobby and another elf, Winky, were supposed to be uh, in the movie and they were cut out. Which is too bad because that's a lot of adorableness that's not getting any screen time. Wait, that the weird, house terrifying house elf thing? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with him being gone. Aw, no, he's a favorite. He's like, Dobby is like, um, you know how Star Wars always has like a cute element? Like, what's the name of the new one? B8? BB8. BB8. He's like the BB8 of Harry Potter. But... Dobby. Yeah, but he looks like the sad outcome of genetic testing on humans. (laughs) He's a little elf in a burlap sack. Until Harry Potter freed him. How cute is that? Dobby will figure heavily later. Um... Those were it for the fun facts that I had. Uh, let's, before we get into book five, I want to make sure we have enough content. We do. Uh, before we get into book five, why don't you rank from favorite to least favorite the first four movies of the series? It's a four-way tie. <laughs> for all being your favorite? For all being my least favorite. <laughs> Adam, come on. There has to be one you hated the most. 
I don't know. The first one was pretty awful. Yeah, it's pretty bad, right? Yeah, so then maybe a three-way tie for second least favorite. <laughs> well, no, then there has to be one you hated the least. I don't know. I really am not having a good time with this film. <laughs> I'd like to assure you that you're going to start enjoying them, but book five was my least favorite, so... So, you've been setting this up, like, the whole time... Oh, the next one. No, you're not going to like it. No, you're really not going to like this next one. Oh, no, this next one's not going to be good for you. You're probably not going to like it until, like, six. Yeah, you won't. Um, although, so, and now I don't really remember them as much. From book five, I remember there's a lot of, like, Harry going through puberty and having teenage emotions going up. Oh, I know you're going to You know how it. I deal with yeah. emotions. Um, <laughs> but why so, am I going to like six? Did they suddenly get, like... Ridley Scott or someone to direct it. No, but there suddenly is um, structure and a path to the end of this. So that finally there's the journey of the hero's journey. Yeah, because so far it's just kind of like <laughs> meandering. It's like we got stuck in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> well, it's it's more like an episodic. And like movies two and three had like nothing to do with no. Voldemort. Yeah. At all. They're like sitting there. They all thought it was. But no, it had nothing to do with him. Yeah. Nothing at all. They're just kind of like circling the drain. But it did because the uh, the oh. diary was Voldemort. False stakes. And, uh, you know, Voldemort was trying to get the stone. So the very, very, very end of the first two books had Voldemort. Just not the first three quarters of them. I was talking about movies two and three. I'm talking about movies two and three. Yeah. Oh, two and three. Three was with Voldemort. No, three was the werewolf stuff. Yeah, they, everybody I, thought that Voldemort I know, but Sirius Black. And... The whole reason that Sirius Black was coming to Hogwarts was to get Peter Pettigrew, who was mask, who was a rat, Ron's rat, to get him so that he wouldn't go back to Voldemort and bring him back. Sirius was trying to prevent the return of Voldemort. Don't you think this is all exactly how to, how it played out between World War One and Two in Germany? That's what I think. I Deep thoughts. Disagree. <laughs> there were a lot more socioeconomic factors. Well, I, we haven't talked about the wizarding economy yet. I mean, do we get into a wizarding coal deal? No, I'm sorry. Then... I do think at some point you might enjoy one of these. I, I don't I know. I do think so. Please, don't let this be for not. <laughs> because now are you saying that this is too much? <laughs> no. Because I think it might be too much. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I work five days a week, and so it, it's funny to spend like three hours of one of my two days off devoted to a movie I'm like not really enjoying. Um, but I did enjoy this one, actually. Mm. So... I don't know. I still just don't care about any of the characters. I think you're just protecting yourself from having too many feelings. No. Yeah. You don't get invested in anything. Any characters. I get invested in Star Wars. And the characters, though? Yeah, some of them are pretty good. Some of them are shit, though. Some of them are shit. If you want to talk about problematic character writing. Yeah. <laughs> You got a point, but there's always, like, you know, the one redeeming, like, 
at least like we use Star Wars like Luke has a consistent story like Han is a compelling character but so I guess Leia's great I think maybe why especially why so many women my age have a connection is because Hermione was the first in a long time young adult female character that was like a badass like because Twilight happened just around that time and Hermione was awesome she was a really smart wizard and she studied and she it wasn't like a lot of I mean her with Victor Crumb is the first time you're getting like a girly experience of her even wanting anything to do with a man of the opposite or a man Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yeah so so I think like she was a great role model are we dropping Emma Thompson bomb (laughs) a really um what Emma Thompson bomb sorry what's her name Emma Watson. Emma Watson, an Emma Watson bomb because you almost said a man of the opposite sex. Oh. Like, are we going to find out that? No, no. Um. Anyway, I think she was a good role model that we all really connected with, and a lot of people related to. Especially, I was a huge nerd who like worked, was good in school and stuff. So, you know, a character like Hermione, you may not find very compelling, but I do. And so I love watching her journey through this. Um, yeah. Well, she's the most redeeming one, but I don't think that there's been much of a use of those talents. Like, she was an extra in this one. Yeah. I mean, she really, <laughs> it's so, it's like disappointing how in this book even, in the book even, she's reduced to like just a romantic interest for Victor Crumb and dealing with Ron, you know, Ron and Hermione and, so, it does get better. I hope so, because this one was it's not great. Also, can we talk about the gentleman's hair? Uh, like Super shaggy. What did they give the hair department as their inspiration? To, the like, Beatles? Yeah, do like, wizards not get to cut their hair for the first six years of school? I don't... What's funny is that in all of the books, they describe Harry's hair as, like, unruly and long and shaggy. And, you know, he tries to pull it back and it always is a mess. And so this is probably the most accurate, visually accurate um, image of what his hair actually would look like. Um, But it is his shaggiest, for sure. And the Weasley brothers were just I know, the Weasley twins. (laughs) Like, they started a family band... No, I love me. I love me a long-haired ginger. They were beautiful. Let that red hair flow. No? No. I don't know. Maybe if they're like, look, time actually has indeed passed because we don't show any learning or any (laughs) school milestones. Baby, if they showed any learning (laughs) or school milestones, the movie would be much longer. So be grateful that they don't. If you want to learn about all the learning, you could just read the books, but I don't think you're going to do that. But Or we could take out the internally long school dances and Quidditch references and all of those things and actually showing them how they're mastering the one spell that they just <laughs> continually spout off. Hey, they, had, they t- did one class, and in it, Mad-Eye Moody showed them the exact three spells they're never supposed to do. So, hey, don't say they're not learning. Fine. <laughs> but obviously they've learned the three things they're not supposed to do and one thing they can. 
<laughs> and that's Expelliarmus. <laughs> and that's four years of schooling right yeah. there. Like, it's got to be a problem. Well, baby, do you think you're going to be able to sit through a fifth one? I don't know. I'm probably going to need booze for the next one. <laughs> me too. I think the only reason you got me to sit through this one was because of all the carbs. Yeah, we had a delicious dinner with this one. Okay, well, hang in there, bud. We're halfway through. <laughs> only four more to go. <laughs> oh my god, I've never felt more dejected in my life. <laughs> <laughs>